0: This week on Mobile First, a conversation with Loveline Sidhu, co founder and chief strategy officer at Bank Mobile.
1: I think we live in a once in a hundred year opportunity to really disrupt banking. And that really comes down to, again, the technology that we now have at our fingertips. And there's so much technology that's growing exponentially that has been untapped by the banking industry.
0: Welcome to Mobile First. You'll find bonus tools, expanded information, and key takeaways from this episode on our website, emergemobilefirst.com. For a quick and effective way to level up your mobile strategy, again, that's emergemobilefirst.com. In this episode, we explore with Loveline how mobile has enabled our mission and improved the banking experience how the elections impact the mobile banking market and Loveling's hopes in the coming administration. Also, we'll discuss the things she's excited about in the near future for mobile banking. Loveling Sidhu is the co-founder and chief strategy officer at Bank Mobile. She's very well recognized in the industry. This year alone, she's been named one of Bank Innovation's top 10 innovators to watch worldwide, woman to watch honoree of the Lehigh Valley Business Women of Influence, a winner of New York Business Journal's Women of Influence Awards. She holds an MBA from the Wharton School and the Bachelor of Arts degree in government from Harvard. Lovely, and thanks so much for joining us today. I'm excited to have you here.
1: Really excited to be here. Thanks so much, Jordan.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So how about you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Sure, as mentioned, I am the co-founder of Bank Mobile. We're a completely digital branchless bank, um, really with a mission to make banking affordable effortless and, and financially empowering for customers. And so uh, really excited to start this journey have always had an entrepreneurial bug in me. And then especially when it when it's social mission driven, and we can actually transform millions of people's lives in the process. It's been an exciting journey for me. So happy to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited because you have a uh, father daughter duo, right? That's the co founder yeah. banking and uh, which I just learned, which is exciting. And then that you come from an entre- entrepreneurial background, uh, how you're disrupting the banking industry and using mobile, I'm really excited to dig into there's the different pivots and changes that you made along the way. And, you know, one of the first things that I saw in your background is your draw to poli and government at Harvard. And what was the initial thing that drew you to that? And then from there, how did you get into this entrepreneurial mindset and business and finance? What, what, what took place there?
1: So I think that I've always innately had this desire that I really want to be able to positively impact, you know, either my school when I was in high school, my community, you know, and broader now society. And I thought that government was a great vehicle to be able to be a catalyst for, it, for that positive change um, in any community that I'm in. So I was always drawn to leadership positions at, at school and in my community And I thought government would be a great way out of school or in the future. And it still is one of my passions. And I I may continue to do that, you know, after Bank Mobile and later in my career. But I think government is a great vehicle for that. That being said, I think as I got older, I really realized that that innate desire to positively contribute to people's lives can be done in a number of ways. And I also explored pre-med, Uh, realized quickly that I really don't enjoy science as much as I thought. (laughs) And so it was interesting to me, given that I did grow up in a very business-oriented family, that a combination of business with sort of the exponential growth that we're seeing in technology really provides such a great recipe for being able to positively impact On a very localized level, all the way to a very global level, positively impact people's lives. And I just think that entrepreneurship, business, and technology is a great place to be and a great vehicle for that.
0: So I can relate heavily that I come from a business oriented household. And then I also pursued pre med all through college. And while so minoring in business, and then I ended up starting my own businesses in college and then completely transitioned to entrepreneurship, starting businesses after college. So I can totally relate to you there. For me, it didn't didn't really uh, spark until middle end of college. And so I'm curious for you, what what was the aha moment where you got this entrepreneurial bug, as you called it?
1: I would really say it, it happened when I was at business school. So when I graduated from Harvard, I went into a very traditional finance role, which was what many people did in 2008 and prior before the financial collapse where you either went into consulting or investment banking. So I joined Lehman Brothers, and I thought it was a great way to build a strong financial foundation for anything that I did in life, and and it would just be a good skill set. So I started with that. After working in finance for a couple of years, I went to business school at Wharton. And it was really through my exposure there, through my classmates, through the case study method and being able to analyze different companies and startups and how they were successful and how they really addressed an unmet an unmet need um, and and really delivered. And I really caught that entrepreneurial bug. And at the same time, just looking at the external environment, you were starting to see, you know, Zuckerberg and, and Facebook doing so well, Groupon, WhatsApp, Uber, Airbnb, you name it. And it was starting to look at traditional models and looking how it could be disrupted to better people's lives. And and that all sort of Happened at, at a similar time while I was in business school, and it was really that transition period in my life where I began looking at how I could get involved in this as well.
0: Gotcha, okay, so you got into finance being interested in just knowing that it would just be a good skill set to have, and then you were kind of being inspired by these uh, digital tech startups that are that were doing stuff uh, just really in the market. and mm-hmm. then what happened next? you know what after finance?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now you're running your own company, and yep. so I guess at what point did you take the leap from the corporate job and in finance to that next that next ste- stepping stone?
1: Yeah, so when I was in business school, I actually interned in at a consulting firm. So I was like, okay, I've tried the investment banking route. Now let me try consulting and just check off all the boxes. So I did financial services consulting. Left my summer with a full-time offer, which I actually postponed six months uh, because I wanted to study abroad in France, which I did at INSEAD, and then also just uh, travel a bit and explore this entrepreneurial bug that I had. So it was in that time, in that six-month period, while I was waiting for uh, my career post-business school to start, that I started working on Bank Mobile. And the idea really came from the fact that, you know, my father is a veteran in banking mixed with sort of my young millennial, I guess, passion, my understanding of technology, of disruption, of finance as well, also of the precarious situation that a lot of people our age and our generation are struggling with paycheck to paycheck. And sort of our combination was a great one in terms of skills and experience to really disrupt the current financial services experience for consumers. And and so we started working on that together. And then I actually never took my full-time offer in consulting and started working on bank mobile full-time.
0: Ah, interesting. So what was that initial traction like? You had this idea and you identified this problem that needed solving, you know, like a lot of other entrepreneurs, uh, but you've been successful in this. So how did you make, what was that first step that you made and how did you validate this concept?
1: It's always sort of a leap of faith as an entrepreneur, but you can start with sort of the non-subjective things. And we looked at the market. We saw that for the first time, consumers were interacting with their banks more through mobile devices than any other channel. We saw that Americans were walking into bank branches one to two times a year versus interacting with their bank through mobile devices 20 to 30 times a month. We also saw that 50% of Americans gave the reason of excessive fees for why they moved to a different bank. And so there was this very apparent change in consumer behavior and needs. And at the same time, there was an opportunity with technology, given that the current branch system, which was the traditional mode of customer acquisition, really was becoming very inefficient. And a bank branch, I don't know if you know the stats, but it opens about one net new checking account per branch per week, which is an extremely inefficient model. And so the combination of looking at branch inefficiency and the overhead cost there and looking at how we could pass on without that overhead cost to make banking very affordable and, and also effortless, combined with looking at consumer trends and behaviors, it really looked like a recipe for success.
0: So with that recipe, then how did you first apply it? You know, was there a focus group of 100 people or, or how did you go about rolling this out?
1: So we instituted a concept called BYOB, which we're all familiar with, um, right. but we coined it Build Your Own Bank. So we really wanted to crowdsource ideas of what people were looking for to really love their bank. And, and the reason I use love is because if you look at the top 10 brands um, that millennials hate, the top four banks are in that top 10 list. And so it was really our mission from day one to be able to change that. And really become a bank that millennials could love and find to be value additive to their life. And so we did conduct a lot of focus groups, interviews. We also got involved with companies that were working with millennials in a financial services capacity to understand and actually look at their behaviors and understand their demographic and look at data analytics to truly have more of an objective understanding of behavior and needs. And with all that sort of information and research, we felt ready to launch our first iteration. Uh, We have a mobile-first strategy, so our app came out in January 2015. And so we had a goal at the end of that year to have 25,000 customers bank with us. And today, a little over a year and a half into business, we have 2 million customers banking with us. So we've grown really exponentially.
0: Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I had a chance to talk to uh, Dan Armstrong a couple weeks ago, and he was mentioning, you know, you guys were bringing on a ton of developers, and it was kind of a crazy time uh, for you. and And so, I'm just very curious it, it, what caused this scale. So, you sounds like you know you had this survey sort of approach, a way to gauge the market and get their feedback, and you really have them help co-create this solution. And then from there, that obviously provides that very first. Um, you know, capture of that of that core, really the initial core audience to be able to uh, use as beta testers and, and things, and then from there, what was this next step that you took? How did you, you know, go from these testers and this concept to, you know, the first twenty-five thousand users, or uh, really, what was what was that first milestone for you guys?
1: Yeah, I think it was a lot of marketing innovation, lots of learning, lots of pivoting. So I do think that it's very important to have a goal in mind and always work towards that goal. But also, I've learned it's important to have the flexibility to pivot and iterate and also experiment. So we learned very quickly that, you know, we are growing exponentially compared to traditional banks and with branch networks. That being said, we wanted to grow much more rapidly than we were growing. So we we did you know, through digital advertising, through word of mouth, which has been a big help to us, through PR, through a lot of content development like our book, definitely got people inspired about joining this movement of truly financial empowerment and, and bettering people's lives by having a better banking experience. But at the same time, there is a lot of inertia still to get people to switch banks, and we realized that. And so we pivoted our model to not just be a direct-to-consumer strategy, but also to be a to c strategy. And what I mean by that is finding the right distribution partners um, in, in a myriad of different verticals, whether it's utilities, telecom, retailers, et cetera, that have a customer base already, who they want to offer financial services to because they're un- unbanked or underbanked or just are looking for a better banking alternative. And we're partnering with those types of organizations to acquire customers quickly. Um, and that's really been a very beneficial strategy for us.
0: And I want to talk about your book a little bit, too, because I, I think the cover, the title is really interesting. Why Can't Banks Be As Easy As Uber? The Real Future of Banking. Yep. You know, what inspired this book? Was it the credibility? Did this really help with the lead generation at it, 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 it onset? Or what, what was the purpose of this? And then maybe even walk us through kind of those core takeaways from your book.
1: Sure. So I think the purpose was that you know, we started this bank really with a social mission. It wasn't we wanted to be profitable, but we weren't driven by that. Our our motivation was really that we were astounded by the current landscape of America when it comes to financial services. And what I mean by that is, I don't know if you know the stats, but Americans are being charged 32 billion dollars in a year in just overdraft fees. Wow. There's over 60 million unbanked or underbanked Americans in the US. And there's so many Americans that are just middle, you know, middle income Americans, 50, you know, close, to 50, close to 35% of them living paycheck to paycheck, 47% of them that don't have enough money to pay for a $400 emergency if that ever happens. So we really were driven by the fact that there are so many Americans that are struggling that really need a financial partner. That's going to help them get on solid financial foundation and help them really get to their dreams and achieve their dreams. And I, I truly believe that was the main reasons why banks originally existed. And we lost that over time because of profitability, because of quarter to quarter earnings, because of the overhead, you know, with a branch system that they just couldn't get away from charging Americans fees, from not being able to deliver transparent, authentic banking. So we were really driven by that, and our book just extends that passion about making Americans aware of what's happening and how unfair this system is, and providing tips of how to navigate within this unfair system, how they can still save money, manage money, grow their money, and then also how they can start looking forward to a digital future with banking, where we can really use data analytics, where we can use AI and machine learning, uh, etc., to really provide even better value and proactively anticipate their needs and, and deliver financial services in the most memorable and most helpful ways.
0: You know, and this is obviously a message I can absolutely get behind being a millennial and really not having the resources and the education in my upbringing to be able to level up to um, really what your goal is. And it's really inspiring. And so I definitely commend you for that. And I think even looking at all the recognition that you've had over the last year, year and a half, really been able to make an impact and and have had a lot of features and publications. And it's, it's really commendable. So, you know, amazing work. (laughs) And uh, one thing that I would like to talk about a little bit more is uh, your nationwide campus ambassador program and how you're extending past banking into this education realm and wanting to help millennials and students and, and really having this social cause. Can you maybe explain a little bit more about this and, and how uh, you're currently impacting campuses and really what the future of this program will be?
1: Sure. So we launched a college bank mobilist program is what we call it. And again, you know, we're so intertwined with, yes, we want to disrupt banking and the banking experience. But two, we want it to be so socially mission-driven, where we want to change Americans' understanding of financial education, so that they can truly make the best decision for their lives. And I think it's so important to start that early. So through this Bank Mobilist program, we're helping to build the skill set of students when it comes to basic business skills like marketing, leadership, entrepreneurship, etc where they're helping to build brand awareness about Bank Mobile on campus. But also, they're working on how do we financially empower ourselves through education, and how can Bank Mobile help me do that, and then how can I use what I've learned from Bank Mobile and all the resources that Bank Mobile has provided me to be able to have workshops and seminars on campus um, to be able to educate my fellow classmates too. So they are just as prepared to make the best financial decisions for their life. Um, So we've come up with training programs for the the ambassadors that are part of our program. They go through a five-hour financial education course where they get certified in understanding the, the basics of money management. And they're encouraged to share their knowledge on campus through hosting workshops and actually teaching, um, and then also uh, allowing access to this digital financial curriculum to their fellow students, and they can also get certified. So, those are some of the things that we're doing to really spread financial education on campuses across America.
0: You know, in this year, I read an article, and I think it was from Gartner, that about 30% of mobile initiatives for brands are the brands are going to be doing away with them because of just how they've utilized mobile wrong and what we've seen for brands that have been successful in their mobile initiatives it's being able to uh, not have an app that's a direct extension of the brand but more so use it as a service that complements the brand and what you guys have done having this social mission and uh, utilizing the platform to educate as well as provide the solution how has mobile enabled your mission how has it allowed you to scale in the way that you have
1: yeah i think that it's helped us tremendously if you look at you know just mobile penetration a lot of the underbanked and unbanked you know a lot of them there's a lot of cynicism about banking and that's why they don't bank or they just don't have access because they're blacklisted from banks or it's because it's not there's no bank available in in their vicinity so they don't bank. And at least for that third option, finally with mobile penetration, there's a way that you can bank in the palm of your hands wherever you are in the world. And I think that's very empowering to the 60 plus million Americans that are unbanked and underbanked today. We're also looking at mobile as a way now where we can disrupt and disintermediate the need for bank branches like I spoke about before. So being able to now deliver financial services in a more tech-enabled way makes banking more affordable. So we were the first bank in the country to be absolutely fee-free with no exceptions. And then also being able to use mobile technology to make banking safer. So being able to use things like biometrics, geolocation, so we know where transactions taking place, et cetera, also allows for a better banking experience.
0: Gotcha. And then that second part of the question about, you know, the education piece and the social piece and, and providing that resource and that service to the consumer. How has that played into your success? And how is, you know, to what extent is that part of the success?
1: Yeah, I think that it definitely plays into our success in that people really view our brand as authentic, you know, a brand that they can trust that is really driven to help better their lives. I don't know if people come to us because they really like our educational platform. I think it's once they decide to join us because they believe in our overarching mission and they like the use of technology and the convenience that comes with it, where the education portion is a cherry on top where they finally realized that, wow, a bank can offer me so much more and should offer me so much more. And it, we really changed their perception when it comes to banking and what it should be.
0: So lovely. And you have so many irons in the fire, it sounds like, but like amazing resources that, are, that you're, you're offering to just the world. And so with all these things and you being at the pinnacle of it, What's currently your main focus for making an impact with, with bank mobile what's that one thing that you're currently heavily focused on
1: We really want to make banking as effortless as possible so what I'm looking at right now as you know chief strategist as well is what technologies are out there that we can utilize to be able to proactively anticipate the needs of our customer and deliver so We've looked at banking so far from a very transactional point of view. Let me make my payment. Let me transfer money between accounts. But how can we start looking at banking as more than that, about money management? How can my bank use the information they have about me to help me make better decisions on a day-to-day basis, to help extend credit to me on a short-term basis when they see an anomaly in my cash flow and they know that I might really need it? And so I'm really focusing on how can we utilize technology to add even more value to your banking experience in your everyday life, moment to moment.
0: I love that. The mobile
1: moments,
0: (laughs) you know, with the elections taking place and the whole, uh, you know, countdown last night and everything, how are these elections affecting the mobile banking market? And are you already seeing any sort of backlash or, or effect with the given rising of, volatility?
1: Yeah, so I think that today has been a very interesting day for a lot of Americans. Uh, It was a very polarized um, election, unfortunately, and I think a lot of people are feeling very deeply divided. But instead of sort of, I guess, looking at the negatives of it, I think that we should try to move forward now. And in one way that, at least with the Trump administration, that could be beneficial for where we are today is banking regulation. And I do think that he might have a softer view on this industry. And I think that regulation is there for a purpose, but I do think that sometimes when uh, the CFPB, for example, is trying to protect consumers, uh, things don't always work out the way that they anticipated and it actually backfires on consumers. So I really hope that with this new administration, they can be more flexible in their thinking uh, to really drive regulation to truly better the customer experience, truly better innovation in in fintech and financial services. Uh, And I'm hopeful.
0: And so are you noticing anything like directly today, how it's affecting bank mobile um, as far as just the consumer reaction to what's happening?
1: I wouldn't say that their relationship with bank mobiles and in any way impacted by the election today. I do think that, you know, it it really helps us from a business standpoint to be able to deliver a more user-friendly, more value-additive experience to customers when we have sort of the regulatory burden lifted a bit so we can be more agile and more innovative and respond to the customer more quickly in terms of their needs and wants.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And then one of the last questions that I have here to wrap up this main section, you know, what are you anticipating the future of mobile banking entailing uh, with these advancements of digital and, and being able to have, um, you know, more access to the user and maybe even now with augmented reality coming, is there anything particularly that you're excited for?
1: I think there's a lot to be excited for. I think that, you know, as I mentioned before, I, I think we live in a once in a hundred year opportunity to really disrupt banking. And that really comes down to, again, the technology that we now have at our fingertips. And there's so much technology that's growing exponentially that has been untapped by the banking industry from you know, the internet of things, artificial intelligence, machine learning, data analytics, robotics, biometrics, you, you name it. And I think that there's so much opportunity to utilize these technologies to give such a value additive experience to customers. Um, for example, you know, the internet of everything uh, if, we, if we look at sensors and the Internet of everything, an example could be your fridge where your fridge notifies you that you're out of a gallon of milk, and then right from there, you can from your fridge, you can make a payment using your bank uh, to order another carton of milk, and that that milk carton is then delivered to your home in such a seamless experience, and that's how banking is going to be connected to your life in the near future. And so I think that that's just one of many, many examples of the direction that we're going in and how we can utilize technology to give the best banking experience possible.
0: Love that response. Being an entrepreneur, I appreciate the ideas too. It's really exciting. Yeah. And so I have some rapid fire questions here for you. You ready for some rapid fire questions? Sure. All right. So, Lovely, what is your definition of innovation?
1: So, I would say um, innovation has a couple components for me. One is that I truly believe that the product should be more affordable. Two, easier to use. Three, overall just a better product that, than what exists today in the market. It has a profitability model that makes it sustainable. And lastly, I've really realized through my experience with Bank Mobile that no matter how good a product is, if you don't have a customer acquisition and retention strategy, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. So I think that your innovation has to be able to have that customer acquisition and retention strategy to, to really be innovative and a true disruptor.
0: So then would you put more emphasis on the idea or the execution? And then how would you weigh each with the percentage and why?
1: So I think that the ideal situation is you have a great idea and you have great execution. And I really think that's success. But no one has ever been successful with a great idea and lousy execution. And I think that even a mediocre idea with superior execution can lead to immense success. So I do think that I would probably say 80%, 85% execution, 15 to 20% idea.
0: And then in all of your learning and you know going to Harvard and jumping around to these different topics of interest and being an entrepreneur, what has been your biggest learning lesson on your journey so far?
1: I think it comes down to the fact that You should always have a clear vision of where you want to go. What is your objective? Uh, What do you want to achieve? That should be your driving force and be immensely clear to you. And then you should also have a strategy for achieving that vision. But I think my greatest learning is that strategy and that path. You have to be open and open to the fact that that path might change. And that might change rapidly over time, and you have to be flexible and you have to be open-minded to truly allow that path to fluctuate. As long as you're still moving in the right direction towards your broader vision, because without that flexibility, I think that you can lose an opportunity to achieve where you want to go. Because nothing's ever a straight line.
0: And then, how about your uh, your favorite business-related book?
1: I have a lot. I would just say my most recent business book that I, I did enjoy was The Third Wave by Steve Case, who's the ex-CEO of AOL. Um, and I think that he did a great job of talking about how, you know, the different waves of the internet and today where we are, we're really building upon the internet. And that, that really comes down again to the point of the internet of everything. Everything is dependent. A lot of business models are dependent on, on the internet and are really on top of it and functioning because of it. And I think that he, his message, which resonated with me, Two points was that these new businesses that are really leveraging this third wave of technology and the internet really, number one, have to focus on partnerships. It's a new relationship with your external ecosystem, your competitors, your customers, where you can really work together with them in partnership and shouldn't try to do everything alone to really build a successful ecosystem with a lot of network effects as well. Even in Bank Mobile, really open to you know partnering with other financial institutions with other fintech companies out there because we don't believe that we have to reinvent the wheel for everything but can find the best and breed that exists and partner with them to deliver the best to our customers and he also talks a lot about how this new wave that exists really needs to work closely with government because the regulatory environment each year is is getting You know, stronger and and stronger. At least when it comes to banking and healthcare and insurance, you name it. You know, even internet. So I think that his message was: you need to work in partnership with the government and regulatory environments because if you start working against them, you're not going to succeed. And that is really relevant for our industry as well.
0: All right. So um, I asked: Is there a favorite digital resource that you tap into often to get the latest in, in digital trends?
1: There are certain tech publications that I, I like to just check out on a daily basis from TechCrunch to Engadget, the tech section of New York Times, um, et cetera. And I have a lot of Google alerts for tech-focused things as well. And then I'm also very open to you know, trying any new app that's out there, that, you know, whether it's an on-demand service, whether it's a booking service, et cetera with these new apps that are coming out almost every day, you know, really just to keep learning and and being uh, very knowledgeable about the cutting edge of tech.
0: And so I know you're probably a little biased to this, but do you have a favorite couple of apps that you like to use or or research?
1: Um, Well, there's one app which we don't have access to or not many Americans use, um, but it's WeChat. But I really look at that as a model because it's just fascinating to me how within one application, you have people, you know... video conferencing, conducting e-commerce, booking a taxi, storing business cards, you name it, they're able to do it in that app. And I think um, it's really a role model for so many companies. I know Zuckerberg at Facebook is thinking about how can we make Facebook Messenger more successful like WeChat. And so I, I really think that they've done an amazing job and um, really should, should be viewed as a, a role model for a lot of us to follow.
0: And then, Levine, what is the coolest thing you're working on right now that you want everyone to check out?
1: Well, we are rolling out our, the next iteration of the Bank Mobile app coming out on December 8th uh, with an exponentially better user experience that I'm so excited uh, to be bringing to market. So I hope you guys are able to check it out.
0: Yes, and I will definitely link to that in our show notes section, as well as your book recommendations and the app and the resources. Uh, so check out Bank Mobile if you haven't already. Uh, lovely. Thanks so much uh, for the time today and, and giving us insight into your background and for really just shedding light onto what drives uh, you and what inspires you and, and what has uh, inspired uh, Bank Mobile.
1: Thanks so much, Jordan.
0: Thank you for listening today. Next time I'm sitting down with Aki Iida, head of mobile at the Zappos family of companies. We will be exploring Zappos mobile data and dissecting the traffic coming from mobile. Aki suggests what experiences retail should be natively building for a better web experience and how you should go about planning your strategy to have the least investment impact with the greatest return. As a brand that's investing in technology and better aligning with mobile and user behavior, this is an episode you don't want to miss. And I'm always happy to be a resource in any way that I can. So visit EmergeMobileFirst.com to reach out to me directly or for additional insights, resources, and bonus tools that can help catapult your organization to the next level. Until next time, think mobile first.